Welcome back to another OU Football Podcast powered by the Norman Transcript. My name is Joe Bettner, and joining me today, future Dallas Cowboys head coach Tyler Palmatier. Maybe. Maybe. Question mark? I, uh, they haven't reached out to me yet, but I have back channeled to them that I'm interested, and I would also like to be the lead beat reporter for the team. I would like both positions. Never been done before. Absolutely but revolutionary. I like it. On the football side of things, I would really just be a presence. Because you know how when I walk into a room, yeah. it's a it's everyone's at attention. Exactly. This presence. It's like Vince McMahon. You do have a Vince Ma- Vince McMahon type aura about you i will say when you walk into no. like a full staff meeting no i don't i everyone used to call me wimp mcmahon oh that's not good yeah i've spent a long a lifetime trying to get over that well you know who is a wimp this brock vandegriff kid no, he's not a wimp at all um just going in really hot uh, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> wow um man it feels like the sky is falling on oklahoma football right now does it not yeah that was pretty stunning news um and that's that was the second big domino to fall after after the loss to LSU, and I didn't really know what to make of it. It doesn't sound like they have a that Oklahoma has a big, wonderful chance of getting back into that. I mean, recruitment's crazy. You you wrote a story story about you wrote the story the story about Ryan Broyles uh, earlier this year about how sometimes guys can flip back and forth, and it's. Maybe it's harder nowadays when you have like 17,000 Twitter followers as a junior to like, because you're, Ryan Broyles didn't really have, have to deal with the immediate reaction of tens of thousands of Twitter followers when he changed the decision. I mean, people are so nasty and, you know, people that tweet at recruits, I almost, I'm at the point where I don't even care what you tweet at a recruit. It makes me uncomfortable to see people communicating with them. (laughs) Don't be tweeting at recruits. I am completely joking when I said that earlier about Brock. There is someone that oh, I know you are. Yeah. Listens to the podcast that thinks I'm very serious all the time. Won't name names, but you know this person. No, but they left us a nasty review that targeted some very sarcastic remarks I made. Oh, so I just want to put it out there. I don't, don't think, look at those. I don't think Brock Brock Vandegriff is any type of wimp. What I do think is that, like you said, it's just such a different era for recruiting in terms of the pressure I think that social media brings. But the one thing, and this is the story I thought you were going to bring up, I wrote about this in June or July, whenever Brock first committed to Oklahoma, how normal it is for a quarterback to commit before their junior season, um, or at least commit an extended period of time way ahead. They're usually the first guy as a part of a recruiting class. They're kind of, I don't know what it is about that, but like if you don't have a a quarterback and uh, obviously Oklahoma to an extent this has been a very weird situation with Tanner Mordecai two years ago and now Chandler Morris who we'll talk about in a little bit uh, getting these quarterbacks pretty late but the high profile guys like Spencer Rattler Spencer Rattler was two years ahead of time and then Brock would have been two years ahead of time so it's just you, you got to think that a it's kind of normal for quarterbacks to do it but it's still just such a long time frame for them to think about that decision yeah, and I think when you go get one out of SEC country, you know, 
you're everybody, all the other suitors, you know, are so close to him, and he's are, are seemingly have good access to him, and it's just he's got to he's got to live at home for whatever two years and go to high school, and he those people are still after him to sign him. You know, the Floridas, Auburns, Georgias, the teams I guess are still in the mix here. Um, he's from Georgia. Yeah, he I, mentioned proximity being a reason for right, right. his decommitment. Which is why I, I sort of broke up my own thought, but I was like, I guess what I was saying earlier was he may be a hard one to flip back. Yeah. If that if that's truly legitimate, if he's really looking at it from a perspective of I just want to be closer to home and he's really, that's the truth, then that might be a hard guy to flip back your way. Um, that, would be, that would have to be the reason. Other than, the, I mean, because if you're looking at it from a quarterback's perspective, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, every guy should do this or that, but... I mean, if you're going to go to college to be a quarterback, seems like Lincoln Riley is the better option than Kirby Smart. Just, I think that's a very, I, I, I mean, I think it's a little bit subjective, but I think for the most part, Lincoln Riley's proved himself as somewhat of a quarterback whisperer, as much as I think as that term is overused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't want to be one of these guys that's like he he decommitted because oh you just got throttled by lsu but i would anyone that gives that that gives recruiters ammunition to you know to use with him in the next couple days if that's a thing i'm not saying that happened but that could you know i I don't know i'm not gonna try and push that i don't think the playoff loss had anything to do with brock vandergriff decommitting it's a terrible timing of it all because it's been shook up some people that the timing yeah I I just think that, and players mention this a lot. I think a lot of beat writers mention this a lot, and I agree with it that players don't take losses the same way that fans do, because players know that losses just come with the business. Uh-huh. It's just part of what it is to be a football player, and not to say that losses don't shake up players. You can obviously tell that a guy like Baker Mayfield, for example. Losses tore him apart, but I think as far as just like the guys that come to Oklahoma that aren't lifelong OU fans, I mean, this is just what they do, and this is they've lost before. They've learned, you know, you got to learn how to lose yeah. in this world. Those guys have lost. They've played in a bunch of games. They know. Fans, I don't think. I don't know what happens with fans' uh, firmware, where like every year they forget that. It's going to be really hard to go undefeated and win the national championship. Which Oklahoma hasn't done in now 19 years, yeah. which, you know, is a whole different other topic. Why it seems like they can't, you know, get over that hump. You would think that. It's to me. Go ahead. Go ahead go you would think that as talented as Oklahoma is, one of these past 19 seasons or 18 seasons would have been an undefeated year. I mean, it's just a hard thing to do. I mean,. 2003, they almost do it, but get beat in the Big 12 title game and then lose to LSU. Um, you can look back of, you know, really the last two years, 2018 and 2017. How they weren't undefeated going into the playoff is kind of beyond me. You can even make the case for 2015, but it's just, it's a hard thing to do. And there, I mean, losses happen. Oklahoma's been on the bad side of some really, really lopsided results. I think at the same time, though, and I'm not – I mean, I don't know. I feel like if Oklahoma – I'm interested to see what happens in the national championship game because I feel like Oklahoma just was in a, in the spot that 
I think a lot of teams probably would have been in. Maybe not every team like Oregon or Wisconsin would have lost by 35 to LSU. I still think it would have been three or four touchdowns. I mean, I think Oregon would have, Oregon or Wisconsin probably would have got wrecked by LSU. No, I think it was just a matter of whoever that fourth team was. I don't know that's if that's what, any consolation at all, but I just think no, it's it's frightening, frankly, if you're an Oklahoma fan, that that, that the gap between the top three teams and you and everyone else is that big, or yeah. it's a three touchdown difference because that means you you just got things to to fix. But I would also, and we can go down this rabbit hole for an entire podcast because I think everybody's still trying to put that loss into context and trying to wrap their heads around it. But just a little therapy session. It is a little therapy session if you're into that. Um, but I really just getting to that point for them, that's a big deal. And I know, and Lincoln Riley himself said that the Sunday morning after that, I mean, he, and he said, people aren't going to want to hear it. And they don't that, that they overachieved, but really think that's the truth. When you talk about year one and a defensive rebuild could have gone bad. You had your best linebacker turn into a, basically a first round prospect. And despite major depth issues at safety, you got through the whole season without that hurting you too bad until an injury really hurt you. Um, and then offensively really just pieced together what I think by the end of the year we realized. I don't know what to say about Jalen Hurts. Not uh, maybe as equipped to make a Lincoln Riley air raid offense go as we thought through the first five games. People kind of figured him out and his limitations became pretty clear. Yeah, I think that Jalen Hurts was put into probably the best spot he could have been put in. But I just think kind of looking back over what has happened over the past year, just there was a limitation to what he could do. Mm-hmm. And they 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 clearly found it and kind of in a weird way lucked into a Big 12 season where the offenses weren't that great. And you didn't need Jalen Hurts to win a bunch of shootouts. Yeah. And so that's the good part of it, but they finally get into one, and that's just what Jalen Hurts' limitation was, is that they they couldn't be in that game. And you saw it in Kansas State, is that they nearly make that comeback, but I think... I would almost attribute that more to CeeDee Lamb. Well, yeah, and that's a lot of CeeDee Lamb, but I was... But, I mean, his Kurtz's numbers were great that game. I mean... They were. But... But he's... But he made, he, he made too many mistakes, and I think that, that was the one thing that, like, was kind of weird about... And I, maybe these aren't the same Alabama fans, but I feel like Alabama fans were like, "Man, you're getting a oh, he's getting a good one." You know, they're they're getting a great quarterback. Um, and then as kind of the year went on, they were like, "Yeah, we don't want our name attached to that." <laughs> but maybe that's just like the di- the difference in people. I never go against the <laughs> Alabama family. <laughs> Look what they did to my boy, Jaden. Look what they did to my boy. I, sound, uh, I feel like I sound like Alex Grinch there because every post game, he's just got like something in it, like just well, yeah, uh, just kind of a catch in his throat almost. because oh, he's been yelling at people for <laughs> 365. I didn't mean to go Alex Grinch on you. Uh, um, what were you? Oh, the Alabama. I just feel like Alabama fans were like, yeah, we don't we don't want to be attached to that anymore. <laughs> I think I hid so many. Of those people <laughs> by midseason, I don't even, I don't know what their reactions were, but I'm guessing I actually might unhide them or unmute them just to kind of see what they've been saying. <laughs> might be kind of fun. Just binge through some tweets. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, whatever. Hot, my favorite hot take was someone said that, you know, Jalen Hurts just a backup SEC quarterback as if the Arkansas of the world wouldn't love him. Texas A&M wouldn't love him. 
I think Florida would take him. I think this guy was a Florida fan, I'm pretty sure. I mean, say what you will. I, You know, at the end of the day, we're going to talk about the Big 12 bowl season here in a bit, which is terrible. But I mean, Hurts, Hurts won a Big 12 championship and got a team to the playoff, and he was part of that. And I think Oklahoma fans are so spoiled rotten on just elite like historic level offenses and having two in a, two years of that in a row it's very hard for them to accept that like this is just a guy a, a game manager who Lincoln Riley willingly took on to to manage this team through this season because in my opinion I don't think he thought Spencer Rattler or Mordecai were close enough anywhere close enough to being able to do it and I don't know why it's such a hard thing to come to terms with for people yeah. I think he I think Riley envisioned a worse result with the other two. That's why he brought Hertz in. And you get the red shirt out of route. I mean, and the honest yeah, what did you I mean, what fantasy world are you living in where you you are, you know, Hertz is gonna come in and he's gonna upset this great LSU team and a team with all you know, OU with all of its absences on defense is gonna could they put up a better fight? Like, yeah, it seems like they could have, but um I don't know. I think the the biggest thing is, and I totally understand this. That's hard to get over is the historic uh, deficit there, the the point differential because it was. I mean, that halftime score stunned me. Yeah, I mean, it was a remarkable season. If if you really sit back and think about it, but and I'm not, not trying good to, enough. Not trying to pile it on to OU fans. Have you ever seen the Harry Potter movies? No. Oh man, first one. There's a scene, Harry Potter, if you don't know, is a wizard. It's, it's, it's a lot about magic, if you didn't know, Tyler. I thought he uh, was just like a really furry, like, you know, sculptor. No, he's, he's not. He's, he's a wizard. And he lives with his, like, aunt and uncle who are very verbally and physically abusive to him. And he, and he lives, in, like, under their stairwell, like, in a little, like, crawl space, basically. Anyway, it's Christmas Day, and his, like piece of crap cousin or whatever it's christmas day and he's like counting his presents um harry doesn't have any by the way harry has zero presents the the cousin though he's got like 40 presents and he's just like counting them up he's just like there's only 40 here there were 41 last year and he's throwing a fit Mm -hmm. i feel like that's kind of the the expectation now with ou fans just like you gave us this many last season (laughs) why is it marginally smaller this year yeah and i was really hoping that you have seen the harry potter movies no but i think that's a great analogy I should done, i see him i would I, I would have done you really should i think they've aged well i just never really gotten into it all like, that hocus I, pocus let's see no it's not what i'm doing not what i'm doing <laughs> when i tell people that i've watched game of thrones i there is someone i know who has read and watched all the harry potters but will not watch game of thrones and they're like oh i just can't get into all those dragons like, well, don't give me hell for not reading Harry Potter, okay? If you're one of those people... Just not into it. If, if you were one of those people, I want to I note, I was also one of those people for the longest time, and then I, wa- then I got through Game of Thrones in like a month and was obsessed with it, with Storm in a Tyler's office, like, oh my God, just got to the Red Wedding! <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that'll blow your mind. The Prince of Dorne scene really was the one that... Oh, no one talks I, about it. I... Not enough. I I thought about that for a long time after I saw it. It's a lot. Uh, anyways, we're nerds getting back onto nerds. <laughs> getting back onto track. I mean, we were talking about Hertz and Oklahoma's quarterback situation, and another domino fell with Chandler Morris signing. 
uh, or committing and signing and or whatever. You know, all that became public the other day. I suppose he'd probably sign for a while. You would because uh, he can't sign right now. He would have had to have signed during the like. There's a mm-hmm. there's yeah. a cap when you can sign in December. I think it's a three day period. Yeah. So that that letter's been in. You know, we've asked Riley about it for a long time, and he's said, well, "I don't know. Uh, uh, oh, we're gonna suppose we're gonna sign one." I can't really do a Riley impression. I think you've got to do like a long drawn out yeah uh, at the beginning. Like, yeah. yeah, we're probably going to sign one. Uh, I don't know. I'll work on it. But anyways, he said they were going to bring one in, and here he is, and it's Chandler Morris. It's not a bad – you know, you're basically – he's a four-star according to 247's composite ranking. Rivals has him as a three-star. He's dual threat, which, you know, I would guess somewhere in the – as far as if you're just looking for a very bland comparison, somebody who's already on OU's roster very much, kind of like a – Tanner Mordecai type guy that can move around and throw, and he's a he's a coach's kid. He's a, a fired coach's kid, but he's a coach's kid. He's got a new job. He's at Auburn now. Yeah, rehired coach's kid. Uh, he's five foot eleven, and I feel like there's going to be so many Baker Mayfield comparisons that are going to come out, probably unwarranted. I do think though that Chandler Morris is in a really good spot. <sighs> Just reminded me of something really funny I read online in a comment section. About him the other day and his size. That was a very clickbaity thing I just said. Like, here's why Chandler Morris is really set up well to do well at Oklahoma. But I do think it's good timing for, and this is kind of the, I guess, not crappy thing with Tana Mordecai because it's not like OU's not going to go out and get a Spencer Rattler. But I do think that if, if anything, Chandler Morris, if he's patient and waits out presumably a two year career for Spencer Rattler, plays next season, plays the next, and then goes pro. I think Morris is in a really good spot to kind of not be at the talent level, obviously, of a Kyler Murray, but to have that two years in that quarterback room to learn under Lincoln. I don't think that that transition with Kyler Murray goes as smoothly if he doesn't have two years to learn the offense, to be in practice every day. It doesn't go – I mean, just look at Jalen Hurts. I mean, if if Lincoln Riley has that guy for – for two years, I think that you could do a lot of things with them. But Chandler Morris is in a good spot, I think, if he's patient with it. He can sit out for – he can redshirt, be the backup for a year, you know, have the starting job for then three seasons if he wants. Um, and Or you know, he can just have one phenomenal season, which I'm sure OU fans would prefer, and then go pro. But or Couldn't he just get recruited over also? Probably. I and mean, then just transfer? I mean, isn't that – I'm just the saying, scenario that I think lingers out there is that when you when you get picked up late in the game like this and you're a three star court like I would I would like to know the percentages of how many three star quarterbacks at Power Five schools stay stick around because that to me seems like just I mean if we're just talking in star language which I know is not that's not the end all of everything but basically well. what, <laughs> yeah, that that is a Baker Mayfield was a two star blue chip racer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but if you're a mid-level talent-wise quarterback, you are the prime candidate to your future's very fluid. You know, if you go to a, especially if you go to a place like Oklahoma, I would say if you go to a top-level up upper echelon Big Twelve team and you're a mid-level guy like that, there's no telling where you're going to be in a couple years. Whatever happened to the guys that just enjoyed being on the team, accepting their role, no shame in being a backup. What happened to those guys? 
what is our world coming to? (laughs) (laughs) Is this your real theory or is this just hashtag old? This is just like, you know, this, this is, this is a joke, but no, uh, whatever happened to the guys just accepts (laughs) not playing except that he sucks (laughs) sits behind the more talented players whatever happened to just settling in not doing a damn thing on the bench and keeping your mouth shut (laughs) whatever happened to that (laughs) holding the clipboard wearing a visor during the game not breaking a sweat honestly sounds like the dream to be honest I mean, in the NFL, if yeah, you, went, you know all the physical. You work hard, hard, hard. To, aside, yeah, you, you work really hard to get to the NFL level, then be good enough to be on the team, but not good enough to start. I think that's the dream right there. Just sit back and collect. But I don't know, Chandler Morris is a. That's still a good pickup, yeah. and I don't think it's you do you want to pick up a guy like that. I mean, that's a that's a fine addition to this division one football team but i'm just wondering if you don't get chandler morris it's more not so much about okay yay we got chandler morris if you're an ou fan it's what if ou had not gotten chandler morris then i'm sure there's someone out there i'm not aware off the top of my head what that is i think i've always just assumed that morris was like in the bag this was going to happen but what if you don't get chandler morris then it's like how bad is this week get thumped by lsu Brock vandegrift decommits Kenneth Murray, as everybody kind of knew, moved on. CeeDee Lamb, as everyone knew, moved on. And then all of a sudden, it's like, and we can't even get Chandler Morris? People would have been pissed. Well, like, if you remember the 2016 season, Oklahoma was in a pretty pretty bad spot because you had Baker Mayfield as your starter, which was good, but they had a true freshman in Austin Kendall, and those were your two scholarship quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one thing that I was trying to figure out earlier – was how many, like, and not that it really matters, but, like, if OU didn't get Chandler Morris, I was like, who are the walk-ons? Because they've got to be almost, like, guys like Connor McGinnis. He's got to be up there uh, as far as just, like, class. So Connor McGinnis would have been a senior. Tanner Schaefer is a junior, so I'm assuming he'll be back. But anyway, I was just curious because I was like, there's a real possibility that that quarterback room could have been Spencer Rattler, Tanner Mordecai, and uh, Kate Horton from Norman High. Um which, I forgot about Kate Horton. Which would have been pretty pretty insane of a room. Um, or not insane, but just... A little bit scary. A little intriguing. I, I, I would have found it intriguing. Yeah, well, I mean... You know, technically Tanner Schaefer was listed as one of the participants in the uh, quarterback battle. What was the year? Was that just this? Was that just last spring when they brought him in for a presser? I made a graphic for a quote you got from Grant Calcaterra about how I would be comfortable with Tanner Schaefer going into the game. Hmm. Was that last, must've been last spring. It was in the spring. Yeah. So I think that was when, yeah, Riley, you know, this quarterback thing, he was bringing in everybody basically all, uh, this was just to see, I don't, I don't know. That's another thing. I just don't have this, the energy for coming up, you know, this whole Spencer Rattler versus Tanner Tanner Mordecai thing. It's going to be a battle. Yeah, and I get it. I think he's going to want to push Rattler to be the best Rattler he can. I don't think a guy like that, based on what people kind of say about where his maturity level's at, I think you probably don't want that guy to get too entitled before your season opener, so you may want him. You may want to keep a guy like that chomping at the bit right up until mid-August, late August, before you actually give him the job. 
Yeah. But it's kind of the thing I've always just wondered how they do it. If, you know, these basically quote unquote sham quarterback races, I don't know how you convince everybody around who's watching that, that these aren't like, wouldn't you know if Kyler Murray was head and shoulders better than Austin Kendall? It was against that defense. There's no telling how mm-hmm. good Austin Kendall looked. Shredded it. I, you're probably not wrong, but what was Kyler Murray doing to it? I mean, that's the other thing. I, I, I wonder how much of a equalizer practices as far as like quarterbacks probably aren't running around as much. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that they can get tackled, but I'm assuming that a lot, lot stuff is more designed in practice. I don't know. Probably Josh McQuistion or J.D. Reynolds probably yelling at their – if they're listening to this, I don't know. Um, but just – I'm just saying like – Hi guys. Hey, what's up? Um, I just feel like that race. I could see it just being as far as Austin Kendall. Maybe he had the same amount of time as Kyler Murray in that program, um, and having that same level of knowledge as far as like the offense and the playbook and whatnot. So, I mean, it's only right to give that guy a shot. Mm-hmm. Not to say that it wasn't close, but you've got to think that like. Lincoln Riley, at least in the back of his mind, maybe doesn't think about this actually, but just subconsciously you got to think like, one of these guys I got out of high school has to pan out at some point, <laughs> which Kendall was the first, but you would assume there's maybe more of an attachment there and that's where that kind of comes from. But also Tanner Mordecai is just like, probably should get around to using one of those guys I got out of high school, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know if that <coughs> really even matters but well you have to you're i mean what you're saying is you have to i mean if you just if you disrespect tanner mordecai and cast him aside and you don't give him the the most full opportunity to win that job i mean he's just gonna pack up i mean that's the other part of this you have to play the game gotta play the game you're sort of and it's not any you know i don't know there's any more honor in stringing a guy along till mid-august that he's part of a quarterback race that he's not really a part of just so that he doesn't have any time to leave. But essentially that's kind of the game you have to play if you're Lincoln. And yeah. it's it sucks, but <coughs> struggling here. Little, I got little, the worst virus. A little postseason. You feel like it like I, I feel like after every like kind of long stretch of a season ends that I've covered, I always get sick right after. I've gotten sick. Yeah, it's happened to me every year. You're just, like, going full speed, and then, like, you slow down. Last year was mild, uh, but I still got a little something. I think it's just fatigue. But the year before, I, you know, as we know, I had a the uh, not very publicized flu game at the, road, at the Rose Bowl. Forget about that. Yeah. Not very many people write about it, but. They should. They should. So, anyways, I mean. Your memoir coming out. Yeah, I'll I'll put it in there. But I mean, something that we've touched on today a little bit about Oklahoma's, you know, just putrid performance in the Peach Bowl. Why did that happen? What happened can easily be kind of explained or not easily, but can be partially explained by the Big 12's record in bowl games this year, which finished at one and five. And Joe, this is not good and I feel responsible as a reporter that I probably didn't touch on this enough at any point about when you're putting Oklahoma's defensive turnaround in context when you're putting the big 12 in context 
really breaking down the offensive numbers that it, basically the offense, you know, Big 12 offenses were down. Big 12 quarterback play was down. You didn't have seasoned arms uh, that had been around for a while. Sam Ellinger wouldn't. I mean, he should have been one. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just saying. Whoa. Preseason I mean, Heisman candidate Sam Ellinger. If anybody should have been really good, you, know, you would think it would have been him. But And I'll throw a cup. I mean, Spencer Sanders should have been better than he was. And I, mean, I know he got hurt, but I'm just saying if before that. And that, yeah. that we could go into that, whatever. The reason behind it doesn't really matter. I'm just saying well, not a great year for Big 12 offenses. I don't think the defenses were as great as everybody said, although Baylor did hold Georgia to 26 points. But yeah. embarrassing for the Big 12. I think this would have chewed at OU fans, but I think if Spencer Sanders would, would have been healthy, that Oklahoma State wins that bowl game against Texas A&M. Drew Brown is not it. He is not it, Chief. Um, and they still got up 14-0. Yeah, Kansas State was close. Um, Baylor, I think, with uh, all the limitations that they have, just, you know, there's only so much you can do against Georgia, which just is a blue-chip factory. Um, 26-14 is respectable. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, that's an offense that is still, like, as good as Baylor's defense, I think, it, as it was this season. Like, you know, there's just only so much you could do. They're just offensively, they're very limited with Charlie Brewer, quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of everyone else that, that played a bowl game. But anyway. Well, Texas was the big savior 38 10 over Utah. Yeah, which kind of nice to see Utah get just pummeled just to end all that. I mean, they lost to Oregon. I think that kind of ended everything. I know. It was nice to see it happen again. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Oregon had, to, had, had a last-minute win over Wisconsin, which, man, man, oh, man, I, I, that would have been probably really good for OU's case if you know Oregon would have lost. But I would assume OU finished, and maybe you don't care, maybe you don't, because it is what it is, like the season's over. OU's probably going to finish sixth in the AP poll in the final ap poll behind oregon and georgia i would assume maybe even alabama and falls to seven but i wouldn't have any sympathy for him if they fell to seven yeah you just that loss was so bad can't lose like that no just really bad iowa state goes down to notre dame hard i always i thought from the start when you look at the slate that uh, the big 12 had to go up against and the only one that I think doesn't really fit that I don't is Texas A and M. That's the one I thought should have gone down. But yeah. I think if Oklahoma State has a healthy quarterback, they probably win. So, but that is an insane bowl slate. It was it was always going to be challenging for sure. Um, and I think the hardest one for Big Twelve uh, spectators to really stomach was Texas A and M because that their their fans. And to an extent, some of the media that cover them are kind of insufferable. They're not the best. And so I think that was a hard one to, to deal with. But what can you do? Big 12, kind of the identity thing that OU's going with. You know, Big 12 is an offensive-driven league. And it, I, they all kind of made their defenses look a little bit better this year because the offenses were down and just that really wasn't the case. Maybe the defenses were slightly better. I mean, some of these scores aren't terrible. You know, Georgia scoring in the 20s, Texas A&M scoring in the 20s. You know, Iowa State's really the one that gave up the most points other than uh, other than OU. So it's like, I don't know, stick with offense and, and get the defense, 
get the defenses back or get the offenses back a little bit better and I just don't put a whole lot of stock into what bowl. did I just say you said something it made zero sense no I, I was just gonna say I, I don't really put a whole lot of stock into bowl records because there's been years where o- or where Oklahoma and but uh, the big 12 has done really well in the postseason and it really hasn't mattered much it doesn't really do much I don't think for your conference it's only like really an issue when you go one and five um, you're right it's just a big brag fest and it's kind of pointless consider all things considered just if you're not in the playoff it doesn't really matter yeah it's just kind of like yeah you're it really gets down to just bragging rights you know it's all about just this is how good our conference was this year what's the gap between such and such and such and such and i think the only real pleasure i get out of this is bob bowlsby and people like the tout are paid to tout the big 12 you know i think they talked about their bowl record a lot last year at big 12 media days if you think your bowl record's really important on years that you are really good then you deserve to be grilled about why you were one and five yeah and i people should grill him about that because if you're going to beat your chest over going five and one or six and oh or whatever then you you need to have answers when you're one and five. Oh, I hope I don't run into him at the Big Twelve basketball tournament in Kansas City. You better ask him that first question. First thing I'm I'm going to get into it with him, and uh, we will discuss at length this putrid performance by the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. Just horrendous, bad. But you know, life moves forward, and uh, we will continue to to put these things in context as they happen. Joe, it's been a fun season. It has. It's the first time I've seen you since I uh, left for the bowl game. No, it's not. I mean, in the on the pod, on the oh, pod, in, the, in a pod setting. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say like, literally saw you yesterday, buddy. Just let's just for the pod. Roll with me. Sorry. No. Uh, yeah, I meant just we did our we did our uh, post Peach Bowl podcast uh, via. Is it via or via? I'm a via guy. Are you? Skype. It's an app. Look it up. Um, so yeah, it's the first time we've actually done it back here at uh, the home base at the Norman Transcript. Um, we had you in Atlanta, you know. Yeah. Oh, you just mean like the first time we potted since? Sorry, I'm. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. All, first dude, time I'm all we've been place. back here at the Transcript doing my this. My brain's my brain's in Edmond right now, thinking about the big Norman High girls basketball matchup. Yeah, we do cover. need to get you out of here. Uh, I have no more parting thoughts, but it'll be interesting. I, you know, in the coming weeks. Transfer things to watch would be like transfer portal, uh, the portal. I would say graduate transfers. You know, I'd probably a great chance Oklahoma gets somebody from from the graduate transfer uh, circles, and then what are one of those guys a middle linebacker? We didn't even touch on that, but I guess it was kind of expected. Kenneth Murray and C.D. Lamb both announced that they're going to the NFL, but I think everyone kind of knew that was coming. I think I'd I'd held out I'd kind of op- open the door for Kenneth Murray a little more because he seems like Mister like I've got him finished business I'm willing to put this off for a year um, as it? we're kind of seeing happening at Oklahoma State right now with Tylen Wallace and I guess Chuba Hubbard coming back and possibly I don't know what the hell's going on over there I can't they just lost their offensive coordinator to Rucker Rutgers I know but then like Todd Monken has tweeted a Canadian flag Man. did you see this. I did. 
I, I, I did see someone I think it's making Oklahoma State fans a little bit wild right now. OSU is the Big Twelve champs according to Twitter, twenty twenty. Which I will say right now, Bedlam in the Big Twelve title game. Mark it oh. down. I've heard people really said that in twenty seventeen though. Well, that was that could have been avoided. If or I mean, sorry, I guess the the other way around. But like that could have that could have that game easily could have happened if Oklahoma State just in their like first off losing to Kansas like they lost to Kansas State the week after mm-hmm. on just a really really dumb game. Obviously, a lot of a big emotional letdown. Mm-hmm. But earlier in the season, they just got rocked by TCU. Pretty sure. Um, yeah, they came into that game with one loss. Right, that had to have been it. Yeah. So it was, it was when they lost, I think they're just their sales just, you know, they kind of just got the wind sucked out of them. By the so. way, uh, Jason Kersey of the Athletic reporting, he's told Tanner Mordecai decided to return for OU and compete with Spencer Rattler for the QB job. So there you go. We're not sure if it's true or not. Jason Kersey's a, we're, we cannot verify that information. He's a little bit of a wild card, obviously. So. We'll see. Well, it's questionable music and Christmas songs, that's for sure. Questionable taste in music, Christmas music. Hopefully I'm saying his name right. Cursey? Cursey. Cursey. French. Cursey. All right. Well, don't subscribe to The Athletic. Um, no. We, we love Jason. Sort of. Do we? Do we like Jason? I, what's the company stance on Jason Cursey? Transcript. He's a stringer of ours, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Transcript contributor, Jason Kersey. Uh No, it's good stuff. Uh, well, so maybe there will be a quarterback battle this offseason. Who knows? It would be fun if Tanner Mordecai just tomorrow was just like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go. God, uh, that's going to be brutal to cover. Ugh. Three years in a row. Three years in a row with, like, the other guy just being somebody who just doesn't say anything. Yeah. It's true. I guess Mordecai two years in a row, but you know what I mean? Like, Austin Kendall and Tanner Mordecai are basically – very much this outwardly the same it is it is pretty wild though oklahoma hasn't had a quarterback start a game for them other than if you want to count the austin kendall game in 2018 when kyler murray was suspended for a series um they haven't had a quarterback that they recruited from high school and signed um start a game since trevor knight in 2014 that's crazy it's just wild it's just it's just insane. Like, I mean, that's just kind of how it's happened. I mean, I don't know why it's, you know, Oklahoma was kind of at the center, of, kind of ground zero of the whole get a great grad transfer quarterback. Yeah. Or not grad transfer, but just a transfer quarterback. Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah, it's it's weird, but it's uh, it's fun, to, it's fun, I think, to watch a guy that gets signed, at least for fans. I'll say this. It's kind of like a different – everything hits a little different. Like – when you get a grad transfer quarterback, it's like, holy crap. Like, you find out this guy's thinking about you. He comes over. You know, I mean, he's. you get to see a guy wear one uniform than another. There's a feeling to that. And then, but there's, I think for fans, when you see that, you know, so-and-so has signed and or committed. So-and-so is committed. He's signed. And then you finally get to watch that guy in a uniform. I think that's a cool thing for them to to watch that whole process so i think oklahoma's ready for a guy like that you know that, yeah. that has just been bought in from the start and um has been their guy from the start and i think there's 
if you want to call it a question mark, if you want to call it a box Lincoln Riley needs to check, it's that he needs to, you know, secure a recruit and develop him and turn him into a star from high school to through his time at OU. So, I don't know. The clock is ticking, Lincoln. The ball is in your court. (laughs) So aggressive. (laughs) If you, yeah, it sounds like a threat. Like, what are you going to do? Is she going to punch Lincoln Riley in the face? No. If he doesn't make this happen? No, I, I just got done watching uh, Friday Night Lights not too long ago. Oh. And they fire a coach after two games. So Which one? I mean, I'm not going to spoil the show, but it's not Eric Taylor. I'll tell you that much. I've seen the series. I can't remember who gets fired after two games. It's season two. It's pretty forgettable. Two games, huh? Okay. Anyway, that does it, Tyler. This was fun. It's been great. We should we'll do be this back. Again. Will we? Yeah, next week. Okay, great. Next yeah. week. This time, same place? Same place. Let's do it on a different day, though. Okay, that sounds good. Okay. I'm going to be in Austin next week. I'm excited. It's a big brag. I'm going to Austin. <laughs> <laughs> How could he not brag about it? You better bring me back something. want to slide it? This is probably going to make me sound like a tourist, but we always go to Home Slice. It's a really good pizza place okay. in Austin. I don't know. I feel like an Austin night probably is like, no, nah, you got to go to Dirty Benny's or you gotta something. You got to go to Luigi's <laughs> on 4th and Sheridan. That's actually a street in Tulsa. There's a shack underneath the Irwin Center. <coughs> Die over here. Just <clears throat> dying over here. I know. Anyway, let's get you out of here. Thank let's you. get you out of here. Thank you. It was good talking to you. I'll catch you next week. You too, brother. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to another OU Football Podcast powered by the Norman Transcript. Another OU Football Podcast is available on all major podcast platforms. So whether you're listening on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, you should be able to find us. If you do use Apple, we'd appreciate it if you left us a five-star rating and a review. It helps us tremendously and gets the word out about the show. Thank you once again for making us a part of your day, and we'll hope you'll tune in again for the next episode. On behalf of the Transcript Sports staff, my name is Joe Bettner, and we will catch you next time.